Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Radio family, good morning and welcome back. Time for another weekend edition of Community Focus and time to get the word out here on our intercom stations. Thank you very much for your wonderful company. And on this weekend, we have a very special topic of discussion. All the topics are special, but what really makes this show unique And I think this will be a first for me, your host, Renee Vaughn, and that is getting all four of these individuals who are joining us here, certainly no longer newbies to the program, but it was a joy getting a chance to speak with each one representing the Piedmont Triad Regional Council Area Agency on Aging located in Kernersville. So this will be, I think, the first roundtable discussion on our weekend edition of Community Focus, as we are also recognizing the month of November as Family Caregiver Month. So I think I'm going to do this in the order that I originally had the opportunity to interview everyone. Bob Cleveland, good morning. Welcome back. How are you? Good morning. Doing very well. Thank you Good. Good to have you back. Bob joining you, Kim Johnson. Kim, how are you, Ben? I am great. Glad Excellent. To be back. Glad to have you back, my dear. Teresa Jackson. Hello, Teresa. Good morning. Good morning. And last is good to have you here. And last but by no means least, Laura Plunkett. Laura, good to have you back as well. Good morning. Glad to be here. And it's good to have everybody back. I'm really excited about our discussion. And to get our conversation started, I wanted to actually begin with a quote from a former first lady, Rosalind Carter, who once said this, there are only four kinds of people in the world. Those who have been caregivers, those who are currently caregivers, those who will be caregivers, and those who will need caregivers. That's an excellent quote. And I think that is certainly one in which if we have not been in that situation, we're finding ourselves in it, or we soon will be in that situation. So first of all, I want to say thank you, because Teresa, I think you actually had mentioned this the last time we were together to talk about it, and certainly one that bears repeating when we mentioned that particular quote. Well, as we have here on the program, and as I mentioned earlier, We're all back here, Radio Family, in honor of November, again, being designated as National Caregivers Month. And before I really get into chit-chatting with you guys this morning, uh, Teresa, another thank you, because you all have just shared with me, and I wanted to share with members of our listening audience this morning, that you actually have, from the state of North Carolina, from the governor, Roy Cooper, Family Caregiver Month of 2017, an actual proclamation. So first of all, congratulations, where it states, in short, now, therefore, I, Roy Cooper, governor of the state of North Carolina, do hereby proclaim November 2017 as Family Caregiver Month in North Carolina and commend its observance to all citizens. 
So it really is a fine opportunity to have during this month and really a topic of conversation we have each and every day with members of our families, those that we are close to and care about when it comes to the subject matter of caregiving. I wanted to begin by asking each of you this question. I'm glad we're going to have this roundtable discussion because everyone will have an opportunity to equally give us feedback. To remind our listeners, what does it mean to be a family caregiver? If each of you could give a definition, how, how would you define it? And whoever would like to go first, feel free to jump right on in and answer that question for us. I'll go first. Sure. This is Teresa. I deal with family caregivers every day. One of the difficulties is that people don't self-identify. Mm-hmm and uh, give themselves the title of caregiver because they're just doing what they need to do. But if you are taking care of someone who has a medical concern, any kind of health concern, Mm -hmm. mental, physical, emotional health, and you are supporting them in some way, providing assistance on even an irregular basis, you are caring for that person and supporting them in a way that they can remain at home and be comfortable in their own surroundings. And so uh, most family members just say, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do as a daughter Mm -hmm. or a son or a spouse. Exactly. And so I don't really call myself a caregiver. Mm -hmm. I'm just living the role that I'm supposed to be doing. Absolutely. Just doing something that for a lot of us, we think is just routine. And it's something that, like you said, Teresa, we're supposed to do. But when we think about the actual word itself, I mean, part of it is is caring for someone who is dealing with those situations that you just mentioned. So thank you. A nice way to start. If anybody else would like to contribute or chime in. Feel free to add. I just want to add, I think caregiving can include um, not only sort of broader, Mm -hmm. not only just caring for your family members, but it could just be, oh, I give my neighbor a ride to the doctor. You know, I pick up some groceries for my neighbor. Um, We're getting into the wintertime. I help my neighbor shovel his or her driveway in the snow. Um, You know, you are providing assistance and care for another person. And like Teresa said, even if it's on an intermittent basis. Mm -hmm. Um, And it could also be that you have a family member in a nursing home or an assisted living facility. Um, And although maybe you're not providing that daily care, you're still providing support and advocacy for that person. Absolutely. And who would like to be next? I would just have to echo what they both have just said. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's not a whole lot to add to that in right. the sense of, uh, you know, I think the one thing that I always think a lot about are the spouses mm-hmm. who don't tend to think of themselves right. as a caregiver. Right. I'm doing my, my spousely duties mm-hmm. in, you know, providing uh, transportation to the doctor or filling med boxes or preparing food, et cetera, doing all those things that they tend to think of as this is what my job is. Right. And so we want to make sure that those spouses do recognize themselves as they are a caregiver. Absolutely. And, and Laura, yeah, would you care? Just to, to echo what everyone else has said, they've had great definitions. But, mm-hmm. you know, really it's that non-formal, non-paid caregiver. There are the, the paid caregivers, and but these are the people, as what they have said is, you know, they are just doing what they think they're supposed to do. Absolutely. And they don't necessarily have that identity as a caregiver right. so they may not be accessing resources and services that or, are or realizing that they have taken on that role mm-hmm. or right. those roles or, or that, exactly yes mm-hmm. 
And to follow that, that can be people of many different generations. We have to acknowledge the fact that there are also young teenagers in a household who are helping Mm. to take care of a grandparent or Mm -hmm. even an ill parent. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it can range the gamut in age. You can Very have somebody true. who's 95 taking care of a neighbor or a sister. Exactly. We have a lot of scenarios where we families do. are trying to survive by living together and taking care of one another. And two together may not even make up a whole healthy person. Absolutely. And it's so interesting, Teresa, that you mentioned that because I wanted to share with, with the group and this was actually a, a story that went viral on social media where a 98-year-young mother out of England literally moved into the assistant living facility of her 80-year-young son to continue to care for him because he got to the point where just the everyday things he couldn't do on his own. So when he moved into the facility and his mom found out about it, She moved from her house into where her son stays. So now they not only have the beautiful opportunity to continue as mother and son, but the fact that you never stop being a parent. You never stop being a mom. And I thought that was absolutely amazing to hear stories like that and especially to have the opportunity to share stories about that because these are, shall we say, our unsung heroes are the individuals who are, like like you've mentioned earlier, whatever the scenario may be, that individual that is taking on that responsibility or that role. So thank you for incorporating that. That just came to, to my line of thought. And how really wonderful we have this opportunity, everyone here on the weekend edition of Community Focus, to make this as our topic of discussion. Now, in each of your roles, what is your interaction with family caregivers? And I I, want to start, again, like we initially did. Bob, I had the first opportunity to speak with you. So if you don't mind sharing with our listeners again what your role is and what you do with the PTRC. Sure. Um, One of my major roles is uh, a planner to the county aging planning committees, where we look at programs and services for older adults. Mm -hmm. Um, And as far as... Uh, another role I have is uh, a lead advocate for the agency, uh, keeping track of legislation, um, making sure we uh, promote people advocating for themselves, including caregivers. Right. And uh, the other thing I would say is that, you know, in the office, we do receive phone calls. And, and again, this goes back to the identification. Mm-hmm. Um, when people call the office and they may want to know about transportation, Right. Um, if they identify themselves, well, I'm caregiving for my mom, typically they'll get referred directly to Teresa. Mm-hmm. Um, but so many people don't, so they end up maybe in, in my phone ringing, and I right. pick up the phone and I say, well, I'm uh, calling about services for my mom, uh, et cetera. So, uh, and then you know, we talk not only about what they need for their, for their loved one, but also then making sure that we plug them into caregiver services. Absolutely. And the nice thing about it is with the four of you all working pretty much in close proximity to one another. Sometimes when we think about agencies, you can be in one building and your associate or your colleague is somewhere across town. But with you guys, you're basically centrally located in in one location. Mm -hmm. So that really makes it easily accessible. Like you said, Bob, if you have to refer that particular person or that client or patient to Teresa or to Laura or to Kim, Mm -hmm. you know, you just walk a few feet down the hall and, and, and get it done. 
That's really nice to know. And 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 same the same question rather for for you, Kim, mm-hmm. and your role. What's your interaction with family caregivers? Absolutely. So as a long-term care ombudsman, I'm interacting with family caregivers um, when they have loved ones placed in nursing homes and assisted living facilities. And that's a point at which, as Teresa said, you know, folks don't self-identify. Well, when you have a loved one in a long-term care facility, you mm-hmm. really don't identify as a family right. caregiver. Um, and so providing them support and information um, through the placement process, whether they're searching for a facility, whether they have a loved one in a facility and have questions about how things are going or encountering problems, that's really when we, we okay. interact with them. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Well, looking at the clock, Bob and Kim, you can take a breath. The hard part of that's over. (laughs) I'm going to put Teresa and Laura on hold because we do need to go to our first break of the morning. So that will give you ladies uh, an opportunity to to think and reflect on that question as well. But just to say, community-focused family, it's good to have you all back. You're all looking great. Thank you. You're so (laughs) welcome. So welcome. And to thank you, Radio Family, if I could see you, I'd say the same thing. You're looking great this morning as well. Definitely great to hear from you. As again, I do welcome back from the Piedmont Triad Regional Council Area Agency on Aging. You know, I hadn't done that in a while, so I'm going to have to keep practicing that. But PTRC for short. Bob Cleveland, Kim Johnson, Teresa Jackson, and Laura Plunkett. We'll be back with me, Renee Vaughn, and the same for you, Radio Family. Come back. We have part two of the weekend edition of Community Focus, and we will return right after this break. More of the weekend edition of Community Focus in our intercom station, Saturday and Sunday mornings. Radio family, you are right here with me, Renee Vaughn. Thank you very much. And returning with me are members of the Piedmont Triad Regional Council Area Agency on Aging. Did a little bit better there. Located in Kernersville, we'll give all the particulars on the address and how Radio Family, you can get in contact with this agency that deals with aging programs and services in the Piedmont, choosing a nursing home or assisted living care, taking care of aging parents while taking care of yourself. That's really crucial. And the wonderful programs that are offered to help our area seniors take charge of their health. Bob Cleveland, Kim Johnson, Teresa Jackson, Laura Plunkett. Family, we're back. So thank you for returning for the second half of the program. Let's begin with this question for the family caregivers that might be tuning in today. What are some tips that all of you can provide to help provide that support and especially those resources that we all need? This is Teresa Jackson. I think I would like to follow up on that. The tips are to reach out Mm -hmm. for assistance, let people know your situation and know that you are not alone. We do have resources across our 12 county area. Mm-hmm. I work with the uh, caregiver specialists in each of the 12 counties, and we actually do have 16 partners across those 12 Very counties. Nice. And one of my roles is to help support them in educating caregivers and just the public mm-hmm. at large about the services that we have available. There are many things out there that people don't know about until Mm -hmm. they reach a critical point. And one of those is support groups and some assistance and even giving them a break away from their 24-7 duties that they have. Absolutely. And so I think we have many events across the region that are trying to reach the folks who are caregivers or family members, neighbors, Mm -hmm. Uh, church friends to assist one another in 
in the role that they're playing in taking care of other folks. Thank you very much. And, and Teresa, before before I hear from, from everyone else, thank you for saying that because with these resources that are wonderfully available and provided through PTRC, this is where we want to encourage our listeners this morning that it doesn't have to get to that critical point, that now is a fine time as any. Even if things are, are pretty much okay within your family, if you have a mother or a father or a grandparent or whoever you're caring for, if they're in relatively good health, good mindset, that's great. But it's always very good to be that shrewd individual who plans ahead. So the resources that are available can prepare us so that as that person progresses, especially in age, and we start to see the things that are changing, whether it's their their mentality or just their health overall, I think it would be such a wonderful feeling for that caregiver to know that he or she did this beforehand so that they don't get into panic mode. That, that they don't get to the point where they're just overwhelmed with everything that's compounded at that one point and, and he or she just doesn't know what to do. So here's a great opportunity that if you haven't done it now, start planning now. Absolutely. It's probably the yes. best way to do it. Kind of to follow up on what you're saying, a big thing is to make sure that as a caregiver, you're taking care of yourself, exactly. which I know is so difficult to do when mm-hmm. you have so many responsibilities right. and things going on. But it is, it's so important to make sure that, you know, you're staying healthy, being active, reducing your stress, focusing on you and um, really trying to figure out some self-care tools exactly. so that you can, you know, take a step away, whether that's during, if you're using a respite service or mm-hmm. something else, that you can make sure that um, you're staying healthy exactly. as well. Exactly. Good point, Laura. Thank you. One of those components is to also maintain some socialization right. with, with your friends, your, your church connections, or whatever is important to you, mm-hmm. don't lose your own identity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any further thought on that from anybody? I, I, I would just add that, you know, I, I think a tip for some caregivers also would be to um, never promise that you won't put your loved one in a, a long-term care setting. Right. Um, I've talked to many caregivers over the years who um, – just have a lot of angst over, you know, making that promise and yet feeling like they can't provide that 24-7 care that right. really comes more toward end of life where mm-hmm. they really need a lot of services. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I encourage people, you know, never make that promise. Just a promise that you will take care of them. Right. You will do your absolute best to, mm-hmm. to make sure their needs are met. Good point. But that doesn't mean it necessarily has to come from very good. Thank you for that. I, pre- I, never, I never thought of it like that. That's very good. Thank you, Bob, for that. And, and Kim, would you like to add any additional feedback to no, that? Just, just to echo what they say, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, with the holidays coming up and family are gonna, families are going to be together, right. um, it is a great opportunity, even if you don't have someone in need of care at mm-hmm. this point, to mm-hmm. really start the conversation. Absolutely. You know, make sure that your family knows where your important documents are located, right. what your wishes are. Exactly. Um, and to start those, it's an uncomfortable conversation it to is. have. Yeah. Um, but just to say, hey, you know what, if something happens, Here's where my important documents are right. located. 
here's what I'd like to have happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, here's who I want to make those decisions. For I, I thank you for, for saying that because I was just picturing mm-hmm. you're right. That that might not be the everyday conversation that you it, have it's not your Thanksgiving with family table conversation. Right, right. But I'm thinking and I'm interjecting some humor here, uh, radio family, probably after you're stuffed from a no pun intended from a <laughs> from a good meal and everyone is probably more in a relaxed state. That would be a good point or good time to sort of ease or interject it into the conversation. I mean, it doesn't have to be literally the first thing that that comes out of a person's mouth, but it, at some point, maybe in the conversation, you know, we love you, mom and dad. We we know that you're 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 getting a little bit older, and we want to try to make those, as as the expression goes, those golden years, the best years of your life. Is there anything that comes to mind that I, as a daughter or as a son, can do to make those later years as easy as possible? Because those are the things that that we have a tendency to worry about the most that as we age, what's going to happen with our other family members, especially if I'm no longer there to provide for the family or, you know, if, if my children begin their own families and, and they move great distances. And I think, Teresa, you and I had that conversation a while back and and just so many different things that we can think of. But, yeah, to to have that conversation, especially during the holidays, Kim, you're absolutely right. But one that I really feel every family should have at some point, whether you do it during the holidays or whatever time that may be appropriate, just have the conversation. Let me ask you this. Tell us a little bit about what we as a community can do to help support family caregivers within their families or communities, especially in honor of it being National Caregivers Month. We can check with our friends, Mm -hmm. our neighbors. We often hear during storms, winter storms, check on your neighbors, see how they are. Mm -hmm. I think at this holiday time in particular, and November as caregiver month, we can make it a goal Mm -hmm. to check on our close family members, make sure they have what they need, but also in support of our community friends. Mm -hmm. We can um, gather together. We find a lot of socialization going on, social activities and special events, but make that connection with other folks and make sure those that you can reach out to are are doing okay and Mm -hmm. see if there is anything that you can offer in the way of assistance. As Kim said, run to the store, run some errands, Mm Uh, Just doing have, those little things. Yeah, we yeah. have many people who can't get out very much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you just do and give of your time to right. someone else during this special time I, in in an effort to help someone who's less fortunate, I think that's one of the best things that you can do for them and Absolutely. for yourself. Yeah. It, it, that giving part mm-hmm. of you, uh, the time, is the best gift that you can really give someone. And so I think we should focus on being able to do that for mm-hmm. others at this time of the year. Very particular. true. Very, very true. If I can true. jump into, I Absolutely. would say that, you know, when you talk about community, the one thing that you know, we don't often think about or talk about is, you know, a lot of caregivers work. Right. So, you know, if you're a business owner out there, you know, be thinking about the fact that, you know, your caregiver who works for you may need to leave at some point to take their 
family caregiver, excuse me, their loved one to the doctor. Right. Or they mm-hmm. have to run home to, to cook a meal for them or mm-hmm. something. And so, you know, the one thing that, that we would ask is that owners be a little more um, understanding mm-hmm. of caregiver relationships. Very and again, true. I'm willing to bet that there's many care, many business owners who have been that caregiver. Exactly, or are that caregiver right. And, and hopefully have some uh, sympathy and understanding for mm-hmm. those who are in those caregiver Absolutely, and, and and can really empathize. And kudos to those who are likely shaking their heads. Yes, we really do appreciate it. But very good point, Bob. I appreciate that, and I appreciate your great company, Radio Family, taking this opportunity. A few minutes into the second half of the weekend edition of Community Focus, our public affairs show heard Saturday and Sunday mornings, and it's here on our intercom stations. And here with me from the Piedmont Triad Regional Council Area Agency on Aging, Bob Cleveland, Kim Johnson, Teresa Jackson, and Laura Plunkett. Guys and gals, I wanted to ask this particular question, and we don't necessarily have to focus on numbers here, but I was just wondering where and when we talk about in terms of caregiving, what's the the breakdown? Is it kind of even, or do you find that one area of caregiving is at a greater number than the other and by that I mean do you find that you have more people are making those plans to help loved ones find assistant living do you find that many of them just enjoy the independence of still being able to live in their own homes what's what's kind of the breakdown when when you're dealing with family members on a daily basis what what is the overall consensus of what the family wants to do I think most often um, folks are wanting to stay in their own homes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think what we see is families piecing together services, whether that is um, accessing some of the services provided through our funded partners, um, whether that's paying for some services, Mm -hmm. um, and then sort of filling in the gaps with family, friends, church members, kind of to meet all of those needs for that person. Right. Um, and I think what we see is that folks are moving toward looking at assisted living and, and skilled nursing um, when they find that they're not able to provide those needs at mm-hmm. home um, or sometimes when there are not the resources in place. Okay. Um, yeah. Where there be family, financial, friend, you know, you just you can't meet all of those needs. Safely. Right. Yes. Anyone else with any additional feedback on that in particular? There are about a third of the family caregivers try to do it alone, mm-hmm. and they're not reaching out and checking for other resources. Right. And and many are stumped by the fact of the costs of the care. Yeah. As Kim mm-hmm. said, they're trying to piece together what they can. Right. But uh, the working caregivers in particular, many have had to quit their jobs to stay home to take mm-hmm. to take care of their loved one and and play that role. And um, those that are working, six in 10, say that caregiving has affected their ability to mm-hmm. do their jobs. And as Bob had said, they have to take more time off. Uh, we all know how this is such a stressful time of year anyway with the holidays. And if you were to add to that, not only stress at work and all the activities that go on, but doing double time really mm-hmm. by making the same thing happen for their loved one at home. Right. Uh, this is going to be a particularly stressful time, mm-hmm. and 
we know that you know many times when family members are coming in from out of state in mm-hmm. particular mm-hmm. they see uh, the condition of mom or dad or right. the decline in health and say we've got to do something now mm-hmm. uh, we need to place our loved one or I need to move back here there are a lot of decisions that will that be made, be made. exactly so, uh, if some of that background work can be done ahead mm-hmm. of time and check out what are what are the options that Absolutely. can be discussed at a right. family meeting or gathering, then, you know, you need to have some of those conversations. Absolutely. And that's that's an excellent point, Teresa, because I was just thinking about that particular scenario. You likely have a lot of caregivers who have siblings who don't live in the same area. And it's typically that one primary person who's looking after mom and dad and their sister or sisters or brother or brothers really aren't fully aware of the day-to-day things that the caretaker has to take on. So that by the time that the siblings come, they really don't have a full grasp or understanding as to what to do. And so you're right. It, it really will be a good time to incorporate as well in that conversation. Well, while you're here, these are the things that I need to make you aware of that I do that if you could help me, it would be of such greater assistance to, to help with, with our parents or, or our loved ones. Let, let me ask and address this to all of you. Do you find that most caregivers do have parents living with them, or are some of their parents still as independent as they could possibly be on their own, and they're just you know going to mom or dad's house on, on a regular basis as opposed to living within the home? I think we've all had conversations where the caregivers have moved mom or dad in with them. Mm -hmm. So that has added an extra uh, tension in the home Mm -hmm. when they're with them 24-7. And it can also create uh, stress within a marriage or a household. Right. I think you and I shared last time that uh, I've I've talked to several family units Mm. that have broken up over this type of scenario but but you have both situations you have some caregivers who are just down the street or Mm -hmm. the next town and they after work they go and check on mom every day before work they make Mm -hmm. sure that they've got what they need so there's just a huge variety of factors exactly and it's really wonderful too as an added component if you have that neighbor or someone that you have as a confidant, for for lack of a better word, some individual that you feel comfortable enough that if you can't get to your mom or dad right away, that you entrust someone else to check in periodically on that person. And of course, with all the, the pertinent contact information so that if something should happen and you can't get to your mom or dad right away, then you've got that that very good neighbor or good friend or whoever that person happens to be that can check in. On your loved ones. And I've heard that several times, especially if the caregiver is long distance. Right. And so they know they have that reassurance that that neighbor is going to stop by exactly. or that friend is going to stop by. So right. if something did happen, they would be able to contact them or, or be able to call emergency. Absolutely. Like yeah. And I'm pretty sure, too, that most of us as caregivers also find getting back to that, that interaction that, that we mentioned earlier is to be around a person that's similar to them in age who isn't necessarily a a relative, someone that maybe they used to either work with, 
perhaps went to church with or, or worshiped together with that individual or whatever the situation may be. A lot of times we, we do have a tendency to bond to someone that we have more of a commonality with who isn't a relative or a loved one. Mm-hmm. And that's really, that's important as well to have those individuals, if you will, in our corner. Well, let me ask you guys, and I tell you, we, we, when you're having good conversation, time just seems to want to fly. But if someone who's listening to us here on the weekend edition of Community Focus wanted to, Laura, Teresa, Kim, and Bob, find out more information about the many services and resources your agency and those you work with offer, what's the best way to contact each of you, either collectively or individually? So they would call us um, at the Piedmont Triad Regional Council Area Agency on Aging. Mm -hmm. Um, Our number is area code Um, 336-904-0300. They can also access our website at www.ptrc.org. Okay, very good. Very good. Anyone else would like to add to that or, or any other way with which, outside of listening to this program, to get more information Now, is there a particular, and I don't know exactly how to address this, but is there outside of, between the four of you, is there a particular order? Who who really should be, I know that one can contact the agency, but is there out of the four of you an individual that someone can contact first or second or third or fourth? (laughs) Who's the go-to person? (laughs) I am the family caregiver support specialist. Okay. Um, and they can contact me. And what I often do, we talk about their situation. Right. Uh, what is it that they feel would help them the most? Mm-hmm. And usually it's not just one thing that they're yeah. really looking for. And right. so uh, based on that conversation, we would direct them to some local resource mm-hmm. and assist them or have them get in touch with one another. Excellent. Um, sometimes there are support groups that we're aware of. Right and special contacts that can be made. And if it's an urgent scenario, oftentimes we'll connect them up immediately with someone. Excellent. And I just wanted to say, and, and I'm not going to reveal anybody's age, so don't, don't, don't worry about that, but uh, the fact that combined, and I don't know if I'm good on the math on this or not. Now, I know we have some who have been doing this for a number of years and some who are newbies at it. But combined, Radio Family, I just want to say, likely 30-plus years, like I said, if I'm not doing the math, uh, more like, oh, way more than that. Okay, 40, 40, 50, 60, in the ballpark. Somewhere in the neighborhood, probably. Bottom line, (laughs) there's a lot of experience in this room, ladies and gentlemen. So thank each and every one of you for doing what you're doing. Now, I don't believe I had the opportunity to do this because we went to break before we came back with the second half. I don't think Teresa or Laura actually had a chance to, to ask this question, um, your interaction with family caregivers. So I can't exactly let you guys leave the studio without each of you addressing because I got Bob and Kim for the first half and it just dawned on me, wait a minute, that's where I should have picked up at the beginning. But, you know, these things happen. Yeah, yeah. It's a good thing the brain is still working somewhat here on the program. So, Laura, let me begin with you since I'm looking in your direction, in your role, what's your interaction with family caregivers? 
Sure. So I'm the health promotion coordinator at the agency. So I work with our six evidence-based health programs and working to implement those in the 12 county region. So my main interaction with family caregivers is through our evidence-based classes. So they're intended for older adults and their caregivers. So a lot of times, especially if an older adult has something like diabetes, their caregiver will come, especially if they're the one that prepares the meals. And so we do find that to be very beneficial Mm -hmm. for caregivers to be involved and and to receive that knowledge and that skill building so that they can um, help as well care for um, their loved one. Um, And then also I'm involved in a lot of health fairs. I go out to do a lot of community outreach and, and through that able to Um, you know, help identify caregivers and provide resources as needed. Very nice. So Radio Family, let me just add, and before Teresa gives her input, especially as we've been talking about, we are approaching the holiday season. This will be a great opportunity to sit down with family and perhaps, you know, we, we have that traditional family meal. But in a lot of instances, we want to try to eat healthier as a family as well. So that would be a great opportunity to find those tips in which we can make that Thanksgiving dinner a little more healthier. Of course, they have the favorites, but everything in moderation, too, of course. But but that's where you would come in and helping an individual that is looking to do that. Exactly. And to do it together as a family. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. That would be a great opportunity. Now, Teresa, my dear, you have the floor. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. One of the health benefit classes that we have uh, connected with is the Powerful Tools for Caregivers class. And that is one of our evidence-based programs. That's a six-week series of classes to focus upon the health of the caregiver. Uh, Among those things are uh, how to get rid of your stress, how to identify your own difficulties in communication, ways Mm -hmm. to properly talk with one another, have a family meeting, uh, talking with your professional caregivers, the health professionals talking the same language, uh, having them answering your questions, Mm -hmm. and talking about our emotions, which oftentimes people want to ignore, but ways to deal with the emotions Mm -hmm. that that are common among caregivers, such as guilt and resentment and all those type of things that build up. How can we refocus that in a healthy way and take advantage of that? So we offer those support classes, uh, the training. We have educational events across the region. So I work with uh, trying to get that information out to the public Mm -hmm. and finding connections with local folks who are experts in different areas, whether it be some mental health issues, how to deal with the holidays, finding humor in every day, uh, legal issues and that kind of thing. And we do have some events that are coming up this month across the region. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I like to connect people up with those opportunities. One of the key things that I've been told uh, by a caregiver the last couple days was they need to find an outlet to connect with someone who's going through the same thing that they are without uh, talking with someone and being lectured to. They want to find a way of dealing with that commonality Mm -hmm. among someone else going through the same thing. Exactly. uh, We try to connect folks up, and I I talk with caregivers every day in a variety of situations. Very good. As well as working with the individual partners that Mm -hmm. we have across the 12 counties. Excellent. So Radio Family, know that you definitely have direct contact with members of PTRC. 
Yes, Mom. Renee, part, if I could just very sure. jump in. I yes. Wanna, I want to reiterate something that Teresa said is, I think, critically important for caregivers to understand is that they need to get some education. Right. Because they haven't been in this role. Situation, before. exactly. And, you know, there's so many issues, whether it's around legal issues, around mm. powers of attorney, or mm-hmm. wills, estate planning. There's issues around dementia, Alzheimer's. Um, what, are, what are some of the differences? What's delirium, depression, um, and how to how to work with those? Because you know sometimes um, uh, people have have misunderstanding about some of those exactly. diseases, etc. Right. So getting some of those education offerings um, is critically important for caregivers absolutely so they can learn and better cope with all the things that come with that caregiving role. Absolutely, and thank you. Excellent job there, too, Bob, as well. Radio family, as we're about to bring this weekend edition of Community Focus to a close, I do want to share that there is a location with which you can also visit PTRC, which is 1398 Carrollton Crossing Drive in Kernersville. And, Kim, you mentioned the number earlier, area code 336-904-0300. Phenomenal job, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. you. You're welcome. And a great opportunity here on the weekend edition to, again, recognize the month of November 2017 as Family Caregiver Month. And to all of our caregivers listening, and even if you know of a caregiver that didn't have the opportunity to be near the radio, share this great information with any and all fellow caregivers. And to caregivers everywhere to let you know that we are thinking about you and to really say thank you for each and everything you do. You may not always get the credit, but know that you're getting it right here on the weekend edition of Community Focus. Bob Cleveland, Kim Johnson, Teresa Jackson, Laura Plunkett, Community Focus family. Until that next time, no goodbyes. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you, radio family, for the great things you're doing in our communities. As I say, keep up that great work. And until that next time, enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of this weekend, what's left of it anyway, as we do bring Community Focus to a close. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.